0: You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 100. It's hard to believe that we've hit the 100-episode milestone. I've had the privilege and honor of interviewing over 100 amazing authors and counting. I started this podcast interviewing my friend, Hyann Patterson, and it just went from there. I've never thought I would get the chance to talk to some of my favorite authors, as well as discovering some fantastic authors that I might have not known about if if not for this podcast. I've interviewed indie authors, hybrid authors, traditionally published authors, and it's been a a fantastic joyride um, getting to talk to all these uh, amazing, talented people. I've also been able to talk to some legendary thriller and suspense authors like Dean Koontz, Tess Gerritsen. Kyle Mills, the man who continued the adventures of Mitch Rapp from the legendary and Miss to Vince Flynn. Uh, Peter May, one of my favorites, and indie thriller greats like Russell Blake, Winston Nett, and John Ellsworth. I've learned a lot from all these great authors over the years about writing uh, better thrillers, publishing, marketing, and so it's been a blast uh, so far. And I have more to come. I have several exciting recent interviews recorded, and I've scheduled to interview several more uh, exceptional writers over the next few months, so I can't wait to let you know who's coming up. I'll be going back to weekly podcasts for the summer as long as it doesn't interfere too much with my writing schedule and goals. Since uh, after I recorded these interviews, I have to edit them. So it is a little time consuming to say the least. So even though 2020 has been a depressing year so far for uh, most everybody, with everything that's been going on uh, with COVID 19 and the unrest now that started with my former hometown of Minneapolis, it's been heartbreaking. But um, I've always found refuge in uh, books. I love talking to writers of thrillers and suspense books and bringing those interviews to you. Uh, so hopefully they offer you a bit of a respite uh, too from all the ugliness that's going on out there. So I want to thank you for listening, uh, sticking, uh, sticking around to the podcast over, over the years. If you're new, welcome. <laughs> and to all my guests over the years, thank you so much uh, for taking time to uh, talking to me about uh, your books and your writing process. It's uh, really been uh, an honor. And all right, I'm done with the blabbering now. Let's get on with the show. For episode 100, you'll be meeting uh, Barbara Nicholas. Her latest book, Gone to Darkness, will be available today on June 2nd. It's the fourth book in her Sydney Rose Parnell series, uh, featuring uh, Iraqi war vet and former railway cop Sydney Parnell, who is now the youngest homicide detective in Denver's major crimes unit. I enjoyed chatting with uh, Barbara about her writing, her books, uh, railway police work and a whole lot more. So stay tuned for that interview coming right up. On the uh, on Zoom, I'm, uh, I have uh, Barbara uh, Nicholas uh, for the podcast today. How are you doing, Barbara?
1: I'm doing well here in Colorado. How are you?
0: I'm doing uh, well myself. So yeah, during these crazy times, we're just talking before I hit the record. So uh, hopefully everything's going okay with with you and your family.
1: Yeah, we've had to make some adjustments. It's been interesting, but it's it's going pretty well.
0: That's good. Good to hear. Um, so can you tell the listeners about uh, your background uh, the, leading you up to becoming a, a, an author?
1: Oh gosh, I took a really circuitous route to being a, an author. I always knew I wanted to write. Um, I was three and in the hospital for eye surgery, which apparently is an ongoing theme of mine. And I was getting good wealth cards and I would turn them over and imitate my mother's handwriting on them and then make up stories to go with them. Um, so I started out pretty young, uh, but I got sidetracked. Oh my gosh, in my life I have been a technical writer, I've been a piano teacher, I've I've been a sword fighter um, at the Renaissance Festival here in Colorado and a bird of prey handler in several places here in Colorado. Um, I did instructional design at Digital Equipment Corporation, a lot of stuff. And then and then, actually, our house burned down in the 2012 Waldo Canyon Fire, and it was kind of that moment where I said, "I'm going to do this," or "I'm or I'm going to let go of the dream." And so, that's um, once I got my family settled and we had a rental house and we had, you know, beds to sleep on and towels and pots and pans, um, I started writing.
0: Wow! Yeah, I was going to. That was going to be one of my questions: is what led you to. Uh to decide to sit down and write that first book but uh, it was like a, a, a traumatic event wow
1: yeah it was i th- i was literally held to the fire i think
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you took it you took that as a sign huh? <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah the- it
1: was an interesting process go ahead
0: oh yes yeah and so your whole house burned down like not to go bad over bad memories but like burned to the ground
1: it it did, um, mm. along with um, hundreds of other homes in our neighborhood. It oh, was well, it was a freak thing. We didn't even think we were in danger. Um, we'd been excavated a few, um, yeah, excavated. That's what I did in my house after we'd been evacuated um, a few days before, and and weren't really concerned about it. So it was kind of a surprise.
0: Yeah, I was seeing that here in Northern California with the wildfires. You we've, have. Yeah, we've been lucky here in the city, but so many people have been affected by that. It's just horrible.
1: I know. Colorado had had some of the worst records and then the Paradise Fire, the Camp Fire. Mm. So yeah, you guys have had it rough.
0: So the uh, so your first book uh, that you sat down and wrote, was that one actually uh, ended up being published?
1: No, I had I had been dabbling with this. I have a couple of Trump Trunk books, as I call them. One of them got me a great agent. Came close to getting published, um, but ultimately didn't. The book that I wrote after the fire was Blood on the Tracks, and that was the one that that got me launched.
0: And when was that first book published?
1: Oh, it came out in October of twenty sixteen.
0: Something that really drew me to your to your book and your character was when I, I when I found out that about the Sydney Parnell's background, and we'll get into your characters and your series, but. My wife's father's uncle, I believe it was. He was a a police officer for the Great Northern Railway Police Department.
1: Oh, oh, (laughs) I love it!
0: Yeah, and he was—he was actually killed in the line of duty in 1921. So I just remember. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so I just always. This was in in Saint Paul, Minnesota. So I remember hearing all these all these stories about about this uh, railway cop and never really heard much about anything else outside of that. And then I saw your character was one. I was like, oh, this is so cool. How did you get the idea to make her uh, into a railway cop?
1: You know, it actually started with uh, a book called Hobo by Eddie Joe Cotton. And, you know, I'm a voracious reader. I'll read just about anything. And this was one of those random books that sort of came across my desk. And um, it's written by a a runaway who became a modern day hobo and that was the first time I knew a that there were modern day hobos and b that there was this whole thing called um, railroad detectives and then I found out they have the same jurisprudence as traditional police and I thought well there we go it's a police procedural which is what I knew I wanted to do but with a twist so I was pretty excited about it
0: yeah that's really it's really unique like like yeah almost you know compared to all the other uh, books out there uh, I think it's only one that I've ever seen that uh, that's such a different uh, police background.
1: Yeah, it's been fun.
0: And so the uh, the the your latest book in that series is uh, Gone to Darkness, which will be published on June second, right?
1: That's right. And ironically, um, it still has trains in it, but Sydney um, has been coaxed over to Denver's um, Major Crimes Unit as a homicide detective. So it, so it starts to branch off a little bit there.
0: Can you tell us about about God to Darkness and the series in general, the Basini Parnell?
1: She was a Marine who served in Iraq and mortuary affairs. And when she redeployed, she um, decided she wanted a job where she didn't really have to interact with with people. And so being a railroad cop seemed perfect, right? You're just out all that that space, all those empty railroad lines, um, and she could bring her canine partner Clyde who was a military working dog in Iraq with her but of course it didn't go it didn't go to plan and the first body shows up in the first book and it's kind of downhill from there and then and, and so I guess the thing for me with Sydney and the reason I I could not have written her before that wildfire was a lot of us after the fire had some pretty strange symptoms we became hypervigilant we startled at at noises we had nightmares. And as I was researching that, I learned about post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, which of course led me to veterans, which also opened a window into my own family. My father was a pilot, a B-24 Liberator pilot in World War II, and my uncle was a POW in that war. And these were men who never talked about their experiences. Um, So once I kind of crossed those lines with our veterans coming home now, and then what Vietnam veterans went through and the World War II vets, and, and this whole thing about trauma and post-traumatic stress, I had a character who kind of allowed me to work through my own issues by having her work hers out on the page. So that's really how she came together. And of course, her her situation just gets worse because of what happens <laughs> in the books. Um, but at the same time, she's seeing a counselor, She's she's trying to heal, Um, She's working with her dog, Clyde, who also has post-traumatic stress. And then the idea for the fourth book kind of veered off. You know, I had heard Damon Knight, who is a science fiction writer, said that to each story, you wanted to bring two kind of separate ideas. And I've always tried to do that. I usually have some sort of technical idea, like the rails um, and some personal thing like PTSD. And then... um, gone to darkness, the issues I was looking at, um, I kind of got pulled in by this whole underworld of what I call the silent workers. And these are often immigrant workers who work at night, they work out of sight of the general public, and they're, they're very much at risk for abuse. And then I heard about pickup artists. Have you heard that term?
0: Yeah, the ones that are like, yeah, the pickup women or something or...
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's- yeah yeah that whole they call it the seduction community yeah kind of Um, douchey (laughs) (laughs) you know there's all kinds in there and i think some really just it almost it's a self-improvement thing they just want to become better internally and externally others yeah exactly what you said (laughs) there's a great book called the game by neil strauss and he Went into that whole community and wrote an expose on the whole thing that was absolutely fascinating. So when that book wandered across my desk, I sort of crossed those two ideas. And then I heard about Comicsgate, which is this backlash against women in comics, either as characters or as creators. So those three things sort of mesh to create this my latest book. Oh, I
0: love how you're, how all these different things come into your into play when you start getting your ideas. That's really, that's really cool. How it, Kind of like all these ingredients came together.
1: Exactly. It just kind of shows you how crazy my brain is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do remember there was a movie with Robert Downey Jr. called A Pickup Artist. I don't know if you've ever seen that one.
1: <laughs> I haven't. Yeah. I had heard about the one with Tom Cruise called Magnolia, which was sort of bad idea and tom cruise actually features in neil strauss's book oh okay Um, but i'll have to go look up that one
0: yeah so it's from the 80s but it's uh i I don't remember very much about it but yeah i remember he was a pickup artist in that
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's been around for a while
0: yeah So all these ideas are coming to you. So how much research do you do? You start? Do you put into it before you actually start sitting down and start writing these stories?
1: My editor would tell you too much, <laughs> just because it slows down my process. I love the research aspect, and I love, as I've mentioned, the, the books that I've read. But I also love immersive kind of research. So I've gotten to do write-alongs with sheriffs and police. I've I've been a victim in disaster scenarios for first responder training. I've been a, a drug lord for SWAT training, weapons training. I did the FBI Citizens Academy. All of that. It, it's almost as if the books are an excuse for me to do the research that I want. So learning when to stop myself is. I haven't. I haven't mastered that skill yet.
0: When you're actually writing on a project, what's what's your writing day like?
1: I am not a disciplined person. <laughs> <laughs> I feel. I feel. Um, I feel like I could be so much more productive. So I really try to stick to a regular schedule. I used to get up and have breakfast first thing in the morning, non-negotiable. And then I heard Dennis Lehane speaking at a pen and Podium event in Denver. And he was talking about he goes, the first thing he does when he gets up is go in and write because he's still kind of in that half dreaming state and he was talking about writing one of his historical novels, um, and he was so immersed in that, and he was still in that dream state. And, and, he, and he got up and went to stare out the windows, as, as writers are wont to do, and he was expecting to see carriages and horses on the street. And it, it was a reality slap <laughs> <laughs> when a truck drove by. So I've kind of taken that to heart. I get up, the first thing I do in the morning is write. Then I usually break for exercise around 11 then I go back to the book in the afternoon, then I go for a long walk, two to five mile walk. And then I read, I get my ideas from everyone else. I read that Joan Didion likes to pour herself a glass of wine, and at that happy hour time and sort of look back on the day's work and kind of ponder what she's going to be doing next. So that's, that's the strategy I'm mostly following.
0: Well, it seems to be working out because you have all these, uh the four books now in the series, so.
1: No, <laughs> oh, but I'm always late. <laughs> oh, no.
0: Oh, yes, the, the, the deadlines, uh, the dreaded deadline.
1: <laughs> yes, I think it was Chuck Wendig was calling them, oh, remember, they're lifelines, not deadlines. But <laughs> I am not feeling that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Well, that's positive, especially for uh, coming from Chuck Wendig. <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah,
1: he, like, I think he's got his act together, yeah. Yeah,
0: that's yeah, kind of scary. So like when you're trying to do these, I mean, do you say like, I'm going to try to write X, Y? amount of words per day or is it
1: you know i'm going no it's a great question alan and i so many writers have a definite answer to that and i'm going back and forth it kind of goes back to my running days i'm not i'm not allowed to run anymore apparently i have bad hips like a saint bernard or something but you know we were always told it was your pace not the distance so whatever pace was right for you let that dictate how dictate how far you ran kind of do that with my writing, because I've noticed if I give myself a word count, I cheat. All of a sudden, I have a lot of adjectives, (laughs) a lot of adverbs. And maybe I spend a little too long um, describing what kind of whiskey Sydney's drinking. Yeah, it's a discipline thing. I would, I would love to have a firm word count and be really um, smart about it but I'm not there yet.
0: The, what's the writing tools that you use to write your books? You use like Word or Scrivener or Longhand?
1: I use Word. I want to try Longhand, you know, because of that whole physical process. They say it really opens up certain areas of your brain. So I shared that with a writer friend who is quite prolific, and she just laughed. <laughs> she said, I don't have time to write Longhand. But I did go out and buy myself a couple of beautiful journals before we were in lockdown, and um, I'm going to try that method.
0: Yeah, I've heard, I've heard people, people doing that. I wouldn't be able to read my writing, though. So
1: <laughs> Yes, I think I have that problem, too, Alan. Yeah,
0: I'd be kind of freaked out about that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, were you a fan of thrillers and mysteries and suspense books as a reader before you actually started to write them?
1: I was a total omnivore. So I would read anything. I mean, I think my first greatest love was science fiction and fantasy, and those were actually um, – The short stories I published before I published a novel length were all in that speculative fiction category. But one of the reasons I picked mysteries was because I didn't know how to plot. And I figured if I had a dead body and they had to figure out how that person got dead, at least I had a skeleton that I could use. I didn't know that that would also make things more difficult. (laughs) I I have a friend, Deborah Koontz, and she writes a great um, mystery series, a lighthearted mystery series, The Lucky Books. And... um, she, then she went off and wrote something completely different. She said, it's so easy without a dead body.
0: <laughs> start writing them. Do you start thinking, Is do you have like the dead body? Does that kind of like trigger it when you start to write? Like you're already thinking about the dead body or?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Who my victim is. I usually decide who the victim is before I decide who the killer is. I don't know if that's, if, if most mystery thriller writers, is that how you do it?
0: yeah but i've changed I, i've changed the the victim in the end too though so it's. it's
1: uh, oh, yeah, oh yeah. i've never heard of that i've changed the killer but i've never changed the victim
0: yeah So uh, yeah should, thanks I,
1: alan that's interesting
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like oh, i don't know why i do all these outlines and then i change things but yeah how about yourself do you do outlines
1: it's a goal i have a goal that i am going to outline when i you know, the first book I had two years to write and I just kind of let it happen as it happened. And then the second book, suddenly I had a deadline. And I had 800 pages that I cut from that novel because I didn't have an outline. I didn't know where I was going and I was just panicked trying to get my word count. So, but now I'm realizing with these deadlines, I really, I really need to be more in control of my plot. So now with my fifth book, I'm sort of doing a combination of the hero's journey and Blake Snyder's beats so that at least I kind of have tent poles for the fabric of the story. So I've never really done that before. We'll see how it goes.
0: Blake Snyder, that's the Save the Cat? Is that the.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Really. yeah I read and that I. Book. Um, it's, it's great. And I, you know, they really push that. Remember, this is not formulaic. This is just kind of how people have told stories forever. Mm -hmm. And there's so much wiggle room within those, those beats that I think it's kind of a, it's not really a paint by numbers. It's just knowing what your palette is, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense.
0: And do you still find, mm -hmm, I'm sorry, what was that?
1: Oh, I just say, so I'm excited to try it. We'll see.
0: That's for the fifth book that yes. you get ready to write <laughs> yeah, so now? Yes, you can
1: let me know if it works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that also a Cindy Purnell? Oh, yeah, fifth book. Yeah. It's a,
1: it is a spinoff, actually. So a character oh. that I introduce in the fourth book becomes the main character in the fifth book. So oh, that's exciting. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, get to do something a little different.
0: When you were writing the uh, that character, did you right away think, oh, this might be a good spinoff uh candidate or did it come later
1: well you know the funny thing about this character is he he came into my mind something like 20 years ago what was it athena out of out of zeus's head you know just this fully formed character and i never i always imagined him having his own series but i never pursued that and then i saw the chance to use him in gone to darkness so i think the idea was yeah it was there for a long time so he's a bit overdue
0: and do you still find time to read
1: i will never give up reading that was my first love and i'll never get to read as much as i would like but i read every day and i read everything yeah i need 48 hours in every day i think <laughs> Don't yeah, me all, right? that'd be perfect <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: So uh, before I let you go uh, for the uh, writers that are listening to this, any advice
1: given my, my checkered past, I would say read a lot. I don't, I don't think people can be the, the writer they hope to be if they're not reading and then write a lot because it's, because it's about the practice. We just get better by doing it. Back in the day, I used to take the books by authors I loved and I would analyze them. I would break down the plot. Um, This was before there were books like Save the Cat or The Hero's Journey to, to help that process. And I would try to figure out how they plotted their stories and I would highlight the dialogue. In one color, in the exposition, and another color, in the action scenes, in another color, trying to get a sense of balance. And I guess the number one thing I would say is to remember it's never too late to get started. There's a great article called Late Bloomers by Malcolm Gladwell. It's an article in The New Yorker, and he talks about people like Alfred Hitchcock and Mark Twain and Daniel Defoe and Suzanne and how all of these men started or, or reached their peak much later in life. We all have a different process and a different approach to this. And if your process hasn't worked yet, don't give up. Maybe you're just one of those late bloomers.
0: That's good advice. And the best place for uh, listeners to find you would be at your website, barbaranicholas.com?
1: Yes, that would be it.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much uh, for taking time uh, to be on the podcast. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, Alan, it was great talking to you. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to the Meet the Thriller Author podcast. Be sure to visit thrillerauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover great thrilling reads. Enjoy the podcast. I'd love to, for you to subscribe, uh, rate, and give a review uh, to it wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, podcast be it uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this right now. I would appreciate it. And uh, please do check out my own thriller novels over at my website at alanpeterson.com. Until next time.